Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. We got a lot of traction last week as uh, we kind of debriefed the three of us together, the, the previous message. And so we thought we might do the same thing this week. Uh, so glad you're glad you're here. We'll go ahead and get started. I'll open us up with prayer, and uh, we'll we'll get we get going. Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the community that we share. And while it's not the community we've always experienced, uh, it's still it's still the same spirit. And so help us, Lord, to uh, to to process through what it looks like to engage in a different way. And uh, while it normalizes for some, others are still a little reluctant to f- find a new balance. And so I just ask, Lord, that your, your grace and your wisdom would lead us as we process these days. <clears throat> and I thank you for these men that you've brought alongside of our church uh, that can help us to, to be better and to be smarter and to be wiser and to be effective. I, I thank you for what you're doing through our lives, in our lives. And I just pray that you would continue to help us to communicate well so that our church... Uh, can be um, can be strong for your glory, and not necessarily what happens within the walls, but that your name and your fame would be known through the four corners of the world. So we love you and thank you for all that we that we have in Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen. And so I want to just dispel something really quick. I recognize I just prayed the four corners of the earth. I am not a flat earther. Okay, I just want everybody to know I do believe that the world is round. <laughs> Maybe the four winds, maybe. Well, this past Sunday, we uh, started a a series on the Beatitudes. And just by way of quick reminder, uh, you know, the Beatitudes are not be-attitudes, attitudes attitudes that we do. Beatitudes comes from the idea of flourishing uh, or or living the uh, blessed life. Uh, in fact, we, we see lots of promises in Scripture about living out you know, what it looks like to be blessed. And so from Jesus' very first message that he preaches uh, to his very first audience out there on the mountain, uh, he, he starts by telling them how to live the blessed life. And I feel like over the next course of his life, uh, let, me just, let me just go backwards a little bit. If we go all the way back into the, into the Old Testament, Genesis God's words to Adam was to, here's how you can live your best, your blessed life, you know, to have a relationship with me and to, everything's going to be in order. Uh, and Adam blew it and he needed a redeemer, right? And so, you know, God promises a redeemer and, and, uh, and so people walk by faith. Well, you get to the law and the law, if you keep the law, every detail of the law, there's promised blessing for that. But then we find in the New Testament that the law was given uh, as a teacher, that we couldn't keep the law, that we couldn't live our, our blessed life. And so now you get over into the New Testament, and I feel like that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, if you want to live a blessed life, this is what it looks like. But sadly, we don't have the skill set to live out the teachings of Jesus. And so this is why at the very end of his life and at the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and then the giving of the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to be able to live poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and and so we do have the mechanism of what God expects from us 
And as we try to accomplish these in the flesh, we'll find out that we are pretty miserable people and our morality fails and everything else around us fails. And so, uh, but I do think it's important for us to go back and to see what does God expect from, from his people. Uh, so, you know, let's just, we'll just get started. Uh, we're a couple minutes in now. What, what'd you guys, what'd you guys hear Sunday that kind of stuck out? And, uh, and I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to kind of lead us tonight. Yeah, one thing that uh, that that I, that I wrote down that I th- a really good point that you brought out was that God demands we live with a symmetry between who we are and what we do, mm-hmm. um, and we I think the temptation oftentimes specifically when if we've grown up in church or it's kind of been very common you know it it's oh well this is just something that we do every week and then as we begin maybe we feel stale or maybe it feels a little stagnant in our lives rather than continuing to do those things or continuing to minister to people, well, I just want to help folks. I just want to help folks. But what's the goal in helping people? Why are we called to help people? There's There's got to be an end game. And I love what you said about that symmetry and the fact that, you know, what we do isn't what makes us Christians. But because we are believers, that overflow of that relationship drives us to do things. Mm-hmm. It drives, like those works, you know, uh, it drives us to 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 do those things and when people do see us and I think this is um, another part of the world should look at us and say I have a better understanding of who God is because I know people who love him that was incredibly convicting incredibly convicting because it's when people look at my life and even whether it's for 15 minutes or 15 years that they've known me can they say that can they say, I know more about the Lord because of the way Blake acts, because the way he reacts to situations, you know, how he handles conflict, how he walks through those things. Um, that was just incredibly, incredibly uh, convicting and, and really made me think, you know, it's it's not ju- it's not enough just to, man, I just want to help folks. I, I want to see people come to know the Lord. I want to see people uh, be led to him and, and, and find their creator uh, and find that and be discipled through that. And if my goal is just to help people, then, then they're missing that. Then they say, Oh, look, look how good Blake is, not how good God is. And I think that's, uh, that was, well, what, about the, what about the other side of that where your goal is just to, to get a, an affirmation or an agreement from somebody, but, but you're unwilling to serve the least of these, right. you know, how effective is that where you're just always pointing your finger, telling people how wrong they are so that they'll change, but you haven't actually demonstrated the love of God. Right. I think both are equally absent from meat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something we've heard. I mean, I've heard through all my ministry, and I'm sure you've heard it before, and that is people will say, you know, well, but you're telling me to do one thing, but you're really not living that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you and you say you're this Christian, or you are a Christian, but you're telling me love people, but... I don't really see that much coming out of you that way, and that's the thing. We've got to portray that. Don't you think? We don't you think that we, that we struggle with the 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 us that we think we are or want to be, and and how easily blinded we are from the from the us that we really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, I, I I've I've said this before. I don't know if it resonates or not, but. I feel like we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that we're not willing to give anybody else. So we tell people to love, but I'm not sure. Sometimes we do demonstrate the things we expect of other people. You know, I want you to forgive me, but I might not be quick to forgive, you know, those sorts of things. Um, And I think that that's, that kind of 
lends itself to this too. And it really, I also think that we give ourselves a pat on the back, and 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 I don't mean this to sound critical or judgmental, although I think that it probably does. Uh, is that I don't think we, I don't think that we evaluate ourselves by the right metrics. And what I mean by that is, what does it look like to be a Christian? Well, I, I go to church most of the time, and that's that's not the question, right? Or, you know, I have a Bible or my grandfather started a church or, you know, I just think I think sometimes it it is about how am I loving the least of these? How am I in engaging with the broken people who can't pay me back? How am I engaging with the life that Jesus lived? And uh, and I think sometimes we we let ourselves off the hook way too, too easy. Yeah, we got it. We 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 test ourselves on a metric different than we would other people because it's, it's really, it's really easy for me to look at Joel or Joel to look at me. We're going to go back to you again this week. Uh, but for me to look at Joel and say, well, here's all the issues that you have in your life. And then when I look at myself and see the issues, yeah, but people don't understand what I've been mm-hmm. through. They don't understand how I, what I've experienced or, you know, you, you just, you know, you just don't understand. There's no possible way that you can, that you can begin to understand. And what, what I've specifically been, been praying for myself, because like anybody else, I'll Oftentimes, I don't give people the benefit of the doubt. I told you, um, and I know, right? Yeah, uh, but but I've been praying for for me specifically, or for my mindset and the negativity within me to say, you know what? Give people the benefit of the doubt. Trust that people are doing these things, and not only that, but rather than just saying, "Well, they're not doing it," mm-hmm. encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. Let lift them up. Well, that's a that's a really hard part because I think pride gets in the way on both sides of that. When you when you automatically assume somebody's not doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. uh, it's so easy to draw a line in the sand and say I'm done with them. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know, uh, in our own spiritual poverty, which is what Jesus is talking about, is to recognize you have nothing to offer God. In our own spiritual poverty, to be able to step into that moment where pride could win, but to humble ourselves and to draw attention to that in people's lives. And just to assume the best in them, but to gradually and slowly and gently drive them back to a right a right decision, which I think is consistent with everything else that that Paul says. You know, in Galatians chapter one, which we talked a little bit about, or six, verse one, we talked a little bit about a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is to restore someone gently, and uh, lest you be overtaken in the in a fault. So I, we need we need to be very careful about that. I think Paul and I think I may have talked to you. About don't you this. think pride? Though I don't want to interrupt you. No, I was, you're already here. Pride to me is what we're talking about. So pride, I think, is the number one stealer. <clears throat> because of my spiritual pride, I'm able to draw lines quick. Mm-hmm. And if I were to see my spiritual poverty, I'd be able to live like this. Right. But if but with spiritual pride, I live like this. Mm-hmm. And it affects it affects every it affects what I can receive from the Lord, and it affects what I can give away to the world. Right. So sorry. Just... No, you're, you're good. But I've as I've been reading, uh, I've been reading through Romans, and when Paul talks about you know, uh, and a lot of what he's been talking about, the Lord's been convicting me. You know, Paul called himself, uh, you know, the chief of sinners, mm-hmm. and you think, well, man, like that sounds that sounds like you're kind of just making up humility. But mm-hmm. I, what the Lord's been teaching me is that the closer we get to God, the less room there is for pride. Mm-hmm. The more we realize about God, the more we realize that we don't know that much about Him. And the greater we realize He is, the lesser that we realize we are. So it's not Paul just saying, oh, yeah, well, here's my humble moment. Here's what I'm supposed to say. Right. Yeah. It's Paul saying, no, I under, like I, I have walked this path. I understand 
a lot about what the Lord is. And because I understand a lot, I realize I don't understand a lot. Also, I'm nothing compared to what he is. And I think it goes back to what you said about, you know, there there is literally no, when we stand in the presence of God, there is no room for pride. There is no room for me to go, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. Or, you know what, maybe maybe I'll live up to the hype. Can you imagine, not the case. Can well, you imagine standing before the Lord and saying, but Lord, you don't understand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or kind of like uh, Brandy said here, we're great at uh, making excuses for ourselves. She played mm-hmm. off what you were saying a minute ago. We're not going to be able to go, uh, but I've got an excuse for that. Right. You know, there's not going to be any excuses. Right. Um, so, you know, we we do. We're great. I mean, honestly, all of us are. Right? I, I, we all been there. I've been there. We are great at making excuses for ourselves. I think and I, the only reason we would do it is because we're we're not empty, right. and we're holding on to something of our flesh. I think of all of the self help that people are you know try to do <clears throat> to to make them to make themselves better, more appealing, more whatever you know. Uh, if you're not if you're uncomfortable, make yourself comfortable, and that's the goal of life. Uh, and so one of the things that I had in my notes from Sunday that I didn't get to was that what what I have learned. Even in my own life, so you know this may not be true for for you, but um, <laughs> self help has not made us better. I think we're more miserable now on this planet than we've ever been. Uh, self help has not made us better; it's actually made us bitter. Uh, and so I feel like that's one of the reasons we have these chips on our shoulder <clears throat> is we should be better than than we are, and we're not. And and a lot of it, a lot of that advice is. Hey, take back what is yours. Take back what is yours. Entitlement. Is, yeah, yeah. It's you know, you know what? You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. Well, I mean, s- scripture directly goes, uh, directly contradicts that and saying, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm not enough. Like, I can never reach my full potential as a person apart from the Holy Spirit and the Lord working through me. I just, I just can't. And the long, the the older I get, the more and more that rings true, and mm. the more and more uh, that that I'm learning that and. Again, you know, a lot of it is no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. You're well. It's not really the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like that's the that's the message of the world is you're is you're fine. I'm okay. You're okay. You know, let's let's act like you know we're all okay. Yeah. And what it'll do, it'll it'll actually neutralize the church's effort because the church's effort is to uh, I don't know how to say this is is to is to make not being okay okay. You know, being real and being transparent, uh, recognizing our faults, our brokenness, and then and then experiencing healing from Jesus. But but if the message of the church is you're okay, that's the whole point of repentance is that you're not okay. And so I just feel like in a in a world where you know there's no right and wrong, the only thing you can do is for me to feel better about myself. I really have to make you feel better about yourself so that you'll make me feel better about myself. And there's this there's just this just destruction taking place. Where the goal, or all we're trying to tell our kids is that they're enough, and and I don't mean to get, I don't want to be an old fuddy daddy when I say it's even old news, but you know, get, giving everybody a trophy. Everybody's not. Everybody's everybody doesn't win, and so you know, you're up thinking that I deserve it and it's mine, and when am I going to get mine? And uh, uh, the spirit world doesn't even work that way, and and so I don't know. I, that may not even make sense, but in, in my mind, it does. So. Well, I think another thing that uh, hit me, and this may change gears a little bit, but from Sunday's sermon was uh, you made a statement, time to get engaged in the gospel. 
you know, um, through all this, I think in the very beginning when this all started hitting and everybody was getting nervous and concerned about what was going on, and not that they're not now. I know people, we all are. We still have our degrees of wondering what's, you know, how things are going to affect all of us. But, you know, there was this sense of people kind of, you know, praying more and getting involved and, you know, thinking about, you know, their lives when it came to uh, knowing God and things like that. And that seems like that's beginning to diminish again. Mm -hmm. Like we're kind of going back to where we were before, you know, pre-COVID. And it made me think about, you know, I don't know if you've seen, you've probably seen some of the commercials, but, you know, the commercials are now gearing towards, you know, school coming in and kids going back to school and people's lives, you know, going forward. And, and it's all about, you know, every, everything we're seeing is people with their mask on. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a change in that. And we're also hearing about, you know, like you mentioned, Migo, but about uh, people going through things and coming out of it and uh, a better person and, and living through this and be stronger through this. But we're not hearing anything about the gospel. Mm -hmm. We're not hearing anything about God in any of this. Of course, we never really did when it comes to commercials or anything like that, for the most part, or through TV or anything. But, you know, what, what concerns me is, is that uh, even for myself, um, that we're not taking even the time that, you know, maybe we maybe we're doing pretty good before that. And then we kind of got a little better when the beginning of it. And now it's almost like we've relaxed through it again. And so, you know, my question would be, are we really taking time mm -hmm. to be involved in the gospel, to be involved or engaged in his word? Mm -hmm. How much are we engaged? And, and I think that's a question that we all should be asking ourselves is how much time, how, how are we uh, engaged in the gospel and God's word? Well, I, so let's talk about that for a moment because I think that's, that's a question that probably will never go away now. And the, and the, question, and the question is, <clears throat> we have always been able to hide behind the institution. So, uh, so let me let me explain what I mean by that. As a as a church, as Christians, it's always been easy for us to be able to say, "Well, my church does this, uh, my church does that." So, you know, do your church care about people? Yeah, our church feeds people, our church ministers to people, our pastors counsel. Our so we're a part of the cure just because we belong, right? So now that some of those things have limitations to them. How are we engaged in the gospel as individuals? How have how are we as the body of Christ uh, projecting the body of Christ into the world around us? And I do I do think that goes hand in hand with what you said earlier about you know not just the gospel, but think I mean you know I'm trying not to look into the camera right now because I don't want everybody you say wow I feel like the pastor is talking directly to me. Well, look in the camera I am, so I'm trying to you know divert a little bit. But uh, how many of us had early on, you know, ex, not extra time. We made time for walks with the family, bike rides. Uh, we made time for game nights. We made time. How many dads were praying with their kids uh, in the evenings and talking about Scripture? Yeah, a whole lot more of us. A whole lot more of us. And I feel like that maybe those things didn't get into the habit. And so I do feel like there's a lot of relaxed on that. I would have thought by now we would have been so, you know, for those who are stepping into those things, would not just be having that in their home, but that would have already started trickling out into our neighborhoods and trickling out into our, you know, into our communities, into our workplaces. 
And it just seems like we've not gone back to the same old conversations. I do believe they're different conversations, but they're still not walking with people. And there's, I mean, I'm in their faith that we're still not dealing with some of those. It's, it's like we're, we, we do talk about coronavirus, but it's about sharing our opinions about coronavirus instead of helping people walk to Jesus. Uh, and, and I feel like, I feel like we're not engaging in the gospel personally. And it, listen, if you're not engaging in the gospel personally and trying to walk out the, the walk of Jesus, there's no way you're going to be a minister to people. If, if you're not spending time with him, you can't, you can't be the channel. And so I would just encourage you to process that for a moment. And I think one of the biggest reasons we're not, and uh, Paula McDonald said a moment ago, you know, just not pride, but it's selfishness too, which they may be hand in hand, but we're pretty selfish people. And, uh, and now we're trying to figure out, okay, you know, the $600 unemployment, you know, benefit is over for now. And everybody's starting to think about the the PPP loans that have to go back, and what's that going to mean to my you know to my job, and what's that going to mean to my mortgage payment? And now all these loans are having to start being paid back again, and and people are starting to really panic. I don't think we're seeing the end of that yet. This is the perfect time for the church to have the answer. We've always had the answer. Don't hide behind the institution of the church. Go ahead and be the church. Be filled up in that. If you need help, how to have those kind of conversations? That's what I live for. I want to help you. And I know we do. We want to help you process that. So don't hide behind the institution of, well, when we get back to church, when we get back to church, why would we wait for that? We might as well go ahead and get busy right now being the, building the kingdom. And don't, wait, don't wait till people don't have problems anymore to speak peace into their life. Anyway, I, think, I don't think we ask those questions because of our own internalizing, our own um, spiritual pride and selfishness. And Jesus said that you'll flourish not when you have all your problems solved. You'll flourish when you recognize that you're poor in spirit. That's, that's when you'll have the kingdom. And when you have the kingdom, that's when you can give the kingdom away. Sorry, I didn't mean to preach there. No, preach, preach away, my man. Preach away. <laughs> uh, Blake's yeah. going to come around and take up an offering. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you on, on that front is that... Um, I mean, every everything is, you know, we, we, we you hear a lot about comfort zones and how everybody's out of their comfort zone at this point. Like everything feels, you know, feel, feels a little bit different. And um, I've been praying since the beginning, all of this. And I know we, we have uh, been praying that, you know what, now that especially a few months ago, but even now, now that people are forced to be at home, you know, I pray that families are like, wow, I don't even know the people I live with, you know, and mm-hmm. spending that time with them and, um, for, for parents, you know, specifically dealing with students and all that, parents would say, wow, I'm getting to know, you know, my kid plays a sport every season, but in this moment I'm getting to know them better in this, you know, who's this kid who used to be my, you know, my, my baby. Now I'm looking at this person who in a couple of years will be out on their own and how do I minister to them well? How do I lead by example? How do I, you know, again, live and in, live inside the gospel and not only that, but express that to my to my kids and um again from from a standpoint with you know calvin being at home and being two and a half uh getting to be at home with him is i've i personally have had to reassess you know how am i with our time at home you know now that again things are getting a little more normal so it's a little bit less time there with that what am I making time for? How am I making sure that I'm taking time for him? You know, regardless of how tired I am, it, you know, I can say, well, I'm tired. Well, the fact is he just, 
I need to take those opportunities for that. And I was talking, and I was telling you all earlier, I was talking to a friend earlier who had a, fr- uh, a kid about the same age. And, you know, we pray with Calvin every night and uh, he prays with his daughter every night. And he was like, man, honestly, it just feels, sometimes it feels a little bit silly to do that. But, and I was talking to Blaine about, but you know what? There'll never be a time where Calvin was like, yeah, we never prayed together as a family. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, it feels silly now, but I know that this is going to pay off later. And if you say, well, I've got my youngest kid 16. Well, now's the time to start that. Is it going to be a little uncomfortable? Yeah, it is. But is it worth it? Absolutely, it's Mm -hmm. worth it to live that gospel mindset. And when you start to do that and live out in the overflow of your relationship with the Lord, you'll begin to see dividends not only in your homes, but uh, in your workplaces and even in how you process things and walk through things. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Brandy just shot another... Uh, Brandy, thank you for (laughs) yes for listening and really putting things out there. Um, I like what she says here, and I want to kind of jump off that with her saying, but she said, um, having meaningful a greater need for meaningful conversation. I'm gonna jump down a little bit with my children, Um, and she says sometimes it's easy to think we just have those conversations at church, and we forget to carry that over to our homes. That's true. I mean, honestly. uh, I've talked to people over the years, and Sundays and Wednesdays is church. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays and Saturdays are we don't we don't do church. We don't we don't think about church. We don't talk about church. We don't pray. We don't do this with our kids. We leave that to the church, mm-hmm. and and we've all failed in that area. I mean, as a pastor, uh, we didn't take advantages. I never took the advantages I should have. Uh, and a lot of times I would say, you know, I've been doing this all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't right. Uh, and I hate to admit it, but that was true. But we don't carry those conversations over daily with our children, yeah, even with our grandchildren. So, I mean, that's something that I think we all should be thinking about is the fact that we can't rely on the church and we're, we can't now. No. No, we're, we can't do that now. No, and you look so, back now and you, th- and I, you know, again, this may be, this may be too, too heavy. Uh, but how, how did we ever get away with thinking that we were paying or trusting other people to have those conversations for us with our kids? Hmm. You know, if, if the only conversation, the spiritual conversations that your kids, I don't know how we got on the kids only, but with your kids or your spouses are at church. Everybody, yeah. Uh, is is uh, now we look back and we say, what in the world? How did we get here? This wasn't. This isn't what Jesus talked about in the New Testament. Uh, so yes, Liza, there's no better time than right now, and now is the time that God gave us. And so you know, we thank God for for revealing to us before it would be too late. We know it's not too late because He just revealed it to us. So I love that idea of. I, I tell couples all the time, especially when they're getting ready to have kids, is that nobody will be of a more significant spiritual influence in your kid's life than mom and dad. So the way God designed it. So there may be people that can communicate better uh, or, you know, from a depth of experience, but nobody will be more effective than mom and dad, period, at any age. For better or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. Absolutely. That's sad, but that's that, that's true. And and as Joel said, you know, we we, we don't have that luxury right now uh, to uh, to do that, and uh, the the way that we would want to do it if we could. And so, in a lot of ways, 
can I just be can I just, I'm just going to be really honest for a minute and I, I don't speak for these guys uh, although they are in unity with their color choices tonight um, but we planned it oh well obviously that pink shirts yesterday was a little off but uh, I wasn't in pink yesterday yeah okay well so the uh, I don't even know what I was talking about so that's that's how quick it worked what was I saying. It was great. Completely honest. It was uh, yeah. completely honest. Guys. Okay, so I'm going to be completely honest uh, and and may regret it. Uh, there is a whole lot of validation and identity found for pastors and lay leaders and uh, well, I, no, I'm not going to say that. I'll say for pastors to be needed spiritually. Pastors love to be needed. You have the difficult conversations. You want to, you know, you want to, we'll do your homework for you, right? Because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And so currently, we don't really have a whole lot of luxuries to do all the teaching, all the preaching, all the feeding, all the counseling, all of the whatever. We, we don't have that luxury. So it, in fact, I'm, I have to sit back and say, you know, what what is the role of the pastor? And what is my identity? And what is the goals of ministry? And so there's a part, maybe we, maybe we established the structure so that we could feel better about ourselves too, to be needed by your family. And so we'll do the work for you instead of equipping you to do your own work. And uh, maybe, we, maybe we've done that. I know we didn't do it intentionally, and, uh, but maybe it's going to take a lot of intentionality to undo it. And so be patient with us as we try to figure that out. And, and also I would say, as patient as you are with us, you need to, you need to engage to that same degree in your own life and see that you are able to do that. But it is going to require poverty of spirit to do it. And I'm and I'm I'm also again the more the more I'm learning and again as this weird time that we're all walking through, seeing um, and, and I'm you know sometimes you know something and then sometimes you you begin to really really know it is that in terms of parenting from a standpoint with students is that I can never, ever, ever have the effect on a student that a godly parent can. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. There's no possible way that I can do that. Now, again, can I be an encourager? Absolutely. Can our small group leaders be encouragers? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if you say, you know what, If, if if I was the best student pastor in the world, I can't do as much for a student as a godly mom and dad can. It just cannot happen. Right. And uh, part of that is, I think, encouraging one another. And again, having a two-and-a-half-year-old now and walking through that, I, I'm beginning to pray that, you know, who, who do I want Who do I want Calvin to ask those spiritual questions to? Because like you said, it's, it's really good. I love when students come and ask questions. But is it a bigger benefit for a student to feel comfortable asking me spiritual questions or to go to their parents and ask those spiritual right. questions? Whether you know the answer or not, them feeling comfortable and wanting that guidance from a parent is much more than it means coming from me. Why do you think, why do you think, I, I already know the answer. Go for it. I won't ask. <laughs> uh, why do you think a husband would ever say, I can't pray with my wife? What, what would be a typical answer? I, I, I'm uncomfortable praying with my wife. Why, why would you be uncomfortable praying with your wife? Wow. Well. I think it's intimidating. Yeah, there's it's it's intimidating. Why? It really is. I'm gonna keep peeling back till you get to the answer. So why is it intimidating? There's there's some insecurity there. Why? Probably. Why is there insecurity? 
I, I don't know. Just vulnerable. I mean, yeah. You're vulnerable. Uh, okay, we're getting close. We're yeah. getting real close. That's the uh, noble sound, right. vulnerable. But there's another word that's the truth. Let me, I'll ask another question. Why would we say, I can't pray with my kids. I can't leave my kids. I can't do a Bible study with my kids. Why would we ever say that? Well, because we feel like we don't have enough knowledge. Maybe. Okay. Because I mean, we're not where we need to be. Yeah. Okay. Or where we need to be All personally. Right. So yeah. let's let's take those two answers. And we're talking about family ministry for a moment. Let's take those two answers of uh, I'm too vulnerable, or I'm too ill-equipped, or I'm too embarrassed, or I'm not worthy, or I'm not whatever. And let's roll that over to the same thing with why would we never be able to lead our kids? What's the answer? Why wouldn't I? Because I'm so stinking prideful. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of my wife. I want her to think. It's better for me to stay quiet and let my wife think that I'm something than to open my mouth and show what a fool I am. <laughs> uh, Mike Pope just put in here, either feeling like or being accused of being a hypocrite. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So there's two ways around that. Number one, quit being a hypocrite because we're the only ones that control that. Right. Number two is to let go of that pride and and cultivate a poverty of spirit, poor in spirit. You know, and then you possess the kingdom, and you can give the kingdom through a simple prayer with your wife, through a simple prayer with your husband. And I'm I'm speaking in generality. Some of you don't have that opportunity, but to be able to pray and lead your children to Christ, and to be able to follow that model, we've got to learn how everything starts with recognizing that we have nothing to offer God, and everything that's going to happen, He's going to do in us. We are poor in spirit. And when we have the kingdom, then that's when we can, simple prayer, give the kingdom away. A simple prayer with our kids gives the kingdom away, and it puts it right inside of them. And tell you, when you start implanting the kingdom into the people that you live with, the people you live with will start implanting the kingdom with the people that they relate with outside the walls. Yeah. And it changes the whole world. Yeah. And I think, all, I, think, I think every parent w- would say, Again, who was involved in church would say, "Yeah, well, well, I want my kid to be to grow up to be godly and to be a good Christian and to you know attend church and do all this." And then I, I think, I mean, every one of them would say that, but we we can't do that. Like we well, like we can't do. But I think that our job is, and again, another thing that the Lord is teaching me is that part part of what my ministry to students is is ministry to parents. And hey, how do we, how do we equip and empower you and encourage you to do this right. to to right. fail to to walk in that awkward situation to you know I'm, we, weirdly enough you know I know some parents this is not quite as prevalent as it used to be but whenever you lose your mm-hmm. temper to apologize to your kid mm-hmm. in in that in I'll that just moment. tell you I've done that yeah there's times I've got onto Isaac uh, or, or one of my kids <laughs> <laughs> and and come a, a little bit. Uh, I've always tried not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not angry or bitter, but it just hits me in a way that I get fearful for him. Right. You know, if this is who his heart is, I get a little bit panicky. And and uh, Chris Selby does not get to comment on this, but I might tend to overreact a little bit when it comes to parenting. Uh, it's not because I am selfish. It's because I I think I love. I, I'm fearful of not making the right decision. I say all that to say there's been a lot of times. That I go into him, you know, being a good parent is never being wrong. Being a good parent is to go into your son and say, hey, I'm learning to live for Christ too. And he is teaching me when I overstep. And so I've got to learn to make that right. So dad overreacted and I'm sorry. And I need you to forgive me. And that doesn't mean I'll never overreact again. It does mean I recognize this. 
And I think that what that does uh, for our kids is it teaches them, wait, mom and dad's not perfect, but wow, mom and dad are learning to walk with Christ too. Mm -hmm. Same way with arguing with your parents. We've never tried to not argue in front of our kids, not because we want them to see us argue, but we want them to see us make up. And here's here's how you resolve conflict. We don't yell at each other anyway, but we even when all the time. But when you do uh, have conflict, here's how the kingdom resolves it. It's not ever not ever living in conflict. It's how do we process through it? Right. I was going to go back just for a second about what you're talking about when you know ministering to students and then the parents, you know, ministering to them and now ministering to to the parents and. You know, from a children's pastor's uh, look on things, you know, all these years that I've been in children's ministry, you know, the greatest thing was, you know, at a camp or a retreat. And I know you guys have been there, too, and you've been to children's camps and retreats and youth and Lake, all that. Lake was saved last year at camp. Yeah, and, you know, is, is having students come down and pray, and, and their parents aren't there, mm-hmm. and, and, and receive Christ. But, and, and, you know, we're happy about that. We're mm-hmm. excited for that. But I tell you what excites me more is last week sitting in my office with a family whose son accepted Christ mm-hmm. at home with them, actually in the car. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is awesome. And, and I'd, ha- I'd take that any day and every day mm-hmm. over camp mm-hmm. because it was a family that ha- was together during that time. And... That's what I want to be able to uh, see and for us as a church, as a staff, as for us, and I think that's been our hearts the whole time, not, not that it ever has not been, but to equip our parents more and more that kids are being saved at home and asking those questions of their parents, not the Sunday school teacher or us. I mean, it's great that they do, or if they do, yes. but the point is moms and dads are the spiritual leaders of the homes and should be and getting to go through that is amazing i remember our kids you know i remember chris sitting in our bed uh, late in the evening i mean it was early in the evening i guess probably one or two o'clock in the morning it's about three weeks ago yeah (laughs) asking you know about being saved and and was saved uh with us right there at home so you know and to me, you know, just sitting there with them last week was just amazing. Right. Uh, but it doesn't take away from the kids get saved at camp. I don't want to make it sound that way. But it's just the fact that you have a family who's going through that with their children. Well, I, we, we know now that we are a little bit decentralized at church. The power of home all along. And, and I, you know, I think that, that we just need to, we, we as a pastor, a pastoral staff, we are, and I appreciate all the comments of you needing us. We know that God mm-hmm. has gifted, uh, you know, the pastor, he's gifted the pastor, the, the church is the gift of the pastor just as much as the pastor is the gift of the church. We, we recognize that and we need you too. And, and that's, and that's what I appreciate. But uh, is that is that re- relational experience? Um, but but what we want to do is we want to resource you, and we want to the Holy Spirit has already empowered you. We want to be able to resource you with that empowerment to do what He has called you to be and do all along. 
we recognize that there, and I, well, this isn't the time to do it. Maybe, maybe there will be a time. All of the things that we have learned that was not effective, that we loved and held on to so dearly, and the structures that we allowed to inform our decision-making, and it wasn't producing what the kingdom was calling us to produce. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, a revolution and overthrowing anything. What I am saying is, is we are trying to figure out how do we truly obey Ephesians 4, and that is to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What is the ministry? The ministry isn't what happens at church. The ministry is what happens through the church. And, and to relegate church to Sunday morning, Wednesday night is not fair to the world because the church can't be harnessed on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's got to be unleashed. And it's not unleashed through us. It's unleashed through you, through your home. I was thinking about a model that I drew up a couple of years ago that had, you know, I do a lot of premarital counseling. And so you have God at the top. You have the husband on this corner of the triangle. And you have the wife on this corner of the triangle. And the biblical model is... You know, husbands and wives often in the flesh and with their pride, they try to they try to know each other better, right? They try to get to know each other. I need to get to know my wife better, so we're going to go on date nights and get to know each other. And da, 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 da. Well, that's great. But the point of the matter is, is what God, I think, calls us to do is that the husband is pursuing God and making sure that the wife is pursuing God as well. That's That's the biblical model. You see it all the way through Scripture, that the biblical model is the husband is the spiritual leader of the, fan, of the wife, and bringing her, her closer to Christ. Now notice what happens as the husband moves closer to God and the wife moves closer to God. It's not possible for them not to get closer to each other. All right, that's one simple. So when you look at the family, what is the role of the family? Well, it's mom and dad on one corner and the children on the other corner and mom and dad working in unison to bring the children closer to the father. When that happens, listen, I, I'm going to just preach for a moment because there's 30 people watching. Uh Softball is not going to do this for you, and volleyball is not going to do it for you, and track and vacations and lake time, that's not going to do it for you. That's what is going to bring you closeness and shared, shared moments. And unfortunately, a lot of times church doesn't do it for you, so I'm just putting it all out there. But the goal is, is for mom and dad to encourage their children to pursue Christ. When they do, that's where the family grows together. If, there's a, if there is a bond that is... That is, if your family is bonding over anything short of the identity of Jesus Christ and the closeness that comes from Him, that bond won't last. It, it's, it's already broken. It lasts for a moment, but it doesn't last for long. And so what I would, what I would take another couple steps further is that now all of a sudden your family is on one corner and on the other corner of the triangle is the families that live near you. Mm. And your job as a family is to encourage Christ-likeness in every family that lives around you, people you work with, people you go to school with, and all of that. And your job as a family is to pray together and to strategize together, to pray with each other over specific families and pull these other families closer to Christ. And you'll find community there, real community, bonding community, oneness with other families. And then you've got families. You've got entire communities that love each other. And they're pulling in other communities and bringing the Christ likeness. I, I just think that's the biblical model. I didn't mean to take up so much time to talk about that. No, it's good to be, and it's exactly because JC we asked while she was staying here. She said we also have to think about that some of our kids who don't live with parents who come, who come to church too, they need the church, 
And yes, we agree. Absolutely. We understand that completely, JC. And I know you know that. Uh, it's the only reason we're sitting here. Right. And But that also proves exactly what you were just saying about the families with other families. We also have to reach out. And at this time that we're in and the time that we're living in right now due to COVID, that it's more important now that our neighbors and families that we know who don't know Christ and kids that don't know Christ and are, are struggling and maybe their families are struggling, that's where we got to come alongside mm-hmm. of them. So that's that's part of our job well, I think right there. Going into the future, I mean, that, that's kind of what I envision. Of what about all of those families? What about all of those dads that don't know how? What about all of those uh, marriages that don't know how? What about all those kids who come from families who m- maybe aren't the, the biblical model? Uh, that's that's where godly families can come alongside them and, and bring them into their homes for dinners or for, you know, family events or, you know, I'm, I'm not saying adopt them or take the place of mom and dad, but I am saying to show them an example outside of their own uh, demographic. Uh, that's what I think ministry in the future looks like is how do we identify people and how do we partner them with people who are already getting it done? That's why I'm challenging us, those that are con- uh, currently engaging in our church, to get as strong as you can, as quick as you can, because we're about to deploy you into the world of brokenness. I'll also I'll also say with that on that point is um, the church. I mean, we're here for we're here for broken people, uh, obviously. But in that same term of that kid, what about that kid who doesn't have godly parents who we're still ministering to? I'll also say that me having a gospel conversation with a student is not as effective as a student having a gospel conversation with a student. And part of that student being equipped to have that gospel conversation is parents equipping them to have that. And maybe in that moment, it is that that student's actual parents encouraging them, walking alongside them, you know, sharing scripture with them and doing that, and then making that student a literal missionary in their own home. Mm -hmm. And again, and again, that I'm not, it sounds like I'm trying to talk myself out of job here. That's not it at all, because I want to be able to help equip parents. No, I would say that's, that's tremendous job security. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, is, uh, and we're not, we're not angry and we're not throwing you out tomorrow. Uh, and saying, you know what, you should have learned it by now. I think that's what Paul might would say, but we're not that. So uh, what I would say is is that our focus is becoming clearer of who our ministry needs to be to and what that ministry needs to be about so that we recognize that many of our families are not resourced and not equipped to do the very thing that we're talking about doing. And part of that is our selfish pride Mm -hmm. because we have been needed and and we will still be, and we are available. We're not we're not eclipsing that, uh, but we also want to make sure that it goes so far beyond Sundays and Wednesdays in these four walls. Uh, and and uh, it just is it's an encouragement to me that our church has so many good, godly, well-intentioned, growing folks already. I feel like we are so far ahead, and the Lord knows it. And uh, I think that's why he's got great things in store for us as a church. And and I'll, I'll also say on, on that point, and to, tomorrow night, very quickly, uh, I have a Zoom meeting with parents, eighth through twelfth graders, talking about how to decide, you know, how to parent through a pandemic, how to disciple your kids. And I sent out a survey a few weeks ago, and what the survey is telling me is that uh, your that our kids think that we are significantly doing better spiritually than we think we are. 
which means that whenever your kids look at you, they're seeing, like, again, I th- the average was out of 10 and 8.7 is what they see parents at, which it's like Jesus, then Paul, and then very closely us. Are they seeing what a true believer... What's, what's Paul got that we don't have? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah. Are they, I'm just but, kidding. But from that, are they seeing what a true disciple-making believer should be doing? Because that's what they think mm. they're seeing. They think they're seeing what a true believer who is growing spiritually is doing. So what is so that you're saying like an 8.7, there's not much room for improvement. Right. So you're, our kids think we're knocking it out of yeah. the park. If I'm doing what they're doing... That's I'm do, that that's that's and what every I mean. parent in the world knows. I hope my kid is a better Christian than I am, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's startling. Yeah. And and part of again, we'll discuss that tomorrow. Um, and really quick as well, parents, if you haven't filled out uh, eighth through twelfth grade, if you haven't filled out that survey, please do. Uh, Seven o'clock tomorrow, we'll have that meeting. And also make sure your kids have filled it out. Yes, and also make sure your kids. There's one for you, one for them. Um, but we'll be talking about that in that meeting tomorrow, and I, it's. It's been very, very eye-opening. To, just yeah, to you're see not talking about a Barna survey. You're talking about this is Five us. minutes. This and is it's us, us within no, no, the no. church. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. this isn't yeah. a, this is across our church. America. Yeah. This is the people we look yeah. at. Yeah. This yeah. is our church. These are the folks you sit with every week and that we sit with. Used to. So Used to. Well, yeah. <laughs> we watch with every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're... We could probably sit here all day long, and I know I could. We probably got off subject a few times, but I think that's okay. Is that is that okay? You guys respond if 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 there's things that we can do during this time that might be more meaningful or or something like that. Yeah, let us know. Thank you, Josh, for uh, uploading that link right mm-hmm. there, parents. If you want to fill that out, this be the perfect. It won't be easier than it is right now uh, to fill that out. Uh, any anything else you guys were hoping to be able to say? I think I'm good. All right, great. I thought it was good. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming down the pike, uh, and and I th- I think we're still fine tuning it and praying about some things and what it's going to look like. And uh, I hope I hope that uh, I, I hope I hope that we can sense the Holy Spirit at work together communally. That's what our prayer has been. So. Um, if let us know what you think, let us know your takeaways from tonight. Uh, maybe you took some notes on Sunday that you'd like to share. I know when we meet in life group, everybody brings their note, notebooks of things that they heard. Uh, and, uh, as the pastor, I always love hearing that, hearing the the takeaways and, and I loved it when you said, and I didn't say that. So you may hear things from the spirit that, uh, that nobody else heard. So, List those things in the comments, and we'll take a listen to them. And if you need to talk to any of us, we're we're very available to you, and and we're for you. And uh, social distancing is difficult. Visiting people is difficult. Praying for people in the streets is difficult. But but we want to meet you where you are. So let us know how we can help you and be a blessing to you. And, And until we hear from you, we're praying for you. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.